Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, I know it's stupid. I just gotta see it for myself. I'm in the corner. Watch you kiss her. Oh, oh, oh. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up, and I am sure that you may have noticed a little switch up in music at the beginning of this episode, and I have a feeling that you may have heard this song once or maybe 300 times over the last 24 hours. Anthony, when we started this show back in 2018, this is a sentence, what I'm about to say is a sentence that I was not sure I was ever going to say while we did this show. The Phillies are in the World Series. We were both there for all three games over the weekend, covering each game. I guess my question to you would be, can you believe it? You saw it, you lived it, but can you believe it? No, and and Bob, you know, I've said this to you, you know, privately. I mean, you know how bullish I was with this team all year. I, I was the one guy, you know, one of the few people who was like, I still believe in this team. I still buy this team. I still think this team can make a decent run in the playoffs. I did not think they could get – I thought they could get to the NLCS, but I did not think they could get to the World Series. And so for them to do what they've done and, and, and not, just, not just do what they've done and, 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 you know, like they're just scraping by, they're winning handily. I mean, I mean last night was not handily, obviously, but, um, but they're winning games – and winning series, they won four to one over over San Diego. The Braves three to one. Like, they're winning a lot, and to do it how they're doing it, and it's just one dramatic moment after another, after another, after another. I, I've not, I've never experienced anything like this. There's, there's no real comparison for what we're experiencing right now with the Phillies. To anything else that we've experienced in Philadelphia, I've been around for 48 years in this city. Never once have I experienced anything like this, and I find it utterly remarkable. And it's a lot of fun. I think when you have these these generational moments, these things that don't happen, uh, you know, all but once every 10 years, at least not here anyway you always try to zero in on a moment, like the the moment that encapsulates the experience. And obviously, and we're going to talk about that moment because we all know what it was. It was Bryce Harper delivering the, the go-ahead home run. Just a remarkable, remarkable moment from a remarkable player. But I'm, I'm actually, even the next day, as we record this on Monday morning, even now I'm having a hard time really like hammering down one thing to, to focus on, one thing to really think about. The whole thing feels like it's happening 250 miles an hour. I mean, after the game last night, we had the the fortune of being able to cover it and have the access to be on the field for the post-game celebration and then be in the clubhouse. You know what I did yesterday? And, and I know that you and I both talked like, we have to get as much video as we can. We have to get as much as, uh, as much up on social as we can. But we came out of the tunnel and we walked 
onto that field and stepped on the dirt and stepped on the grass. And I made sure I took a moment to just do a 360 around the Mm -hmm. infield. And it's one thing when you're in the stands, it's one thing when you're in the press box or watching at home to see or hear that many people screaming. But when you're on the field and you just do that, that panoramic, that 360 view, it was an absolutely remarkable moment to just see a city and see the way that those fans just adored those players. It was, it was like something I had to make sure for myself that I was able to take in. And it was just, it was an unbelievable, an unbelievable moment. I'm still, like I said, having a hard time even processing that this has happened. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, Bryce said after, I guess it was game three against Atlanta, um, he's in the, he's in the press conference and he talks about having chills, right? Just being down there and, and, and listening to that crowd and, and what it's like. And we're sitting in the press box and like for us, because of where we're situated, you know, we're back in the press box a little bit. We kind of lose a little bit of the, of the crowd, right? I mean, we, we don't quite, I mean, we hear it, but we don't quite hear it as loudly, I guess, as everybody else does. And we have to, we have to have people kind of confirm for us that it is as, as crazy and nutty as, as it seems. Then you go on that field last night and you, you felt the chills. Like, I mean, like, we had nothing to do with the game, right? We had nothing to do with the Philly success, but yet you walk onto that field and that crowd is singing and cheering and everything. And to be down in that bowl like that, like in that fishbowl kind of experience with 46,000 people screaming and partying and chanting and everything else. And it's like, now you understand. Now you get it. Now you see. And, and that was just the celebratory parts imagine the moments like right. Harper's home run, like Reese Hoskins home run, like, like Suarez getting the last out, like any of those things, imagine the moments and what those must feel like. If we could feel it just in the afterglow, what do they feel in the actual moment? And that's just, that's just what's fascinating to me. Yeah. I believe that Nick Castellanos called it euphoric. I believe that appeared in Matt Gelb's story uh, yeah. this morning. And, uh, you know, I think that may be the perfect word for it. And, you know, I guess as as we sit here and talk now, I I think about all of the different storylines that, that unfolded and, and all of the different storylines that have played out and all the things that we can talk about. Reese Hoskins, can you remember a, a crazier postseason for an individual player, just the highs and lows? Um, you know, Ranger Suarez, who really – became this this dual threat guy at the end of last season we saw him close by the time july rolled around last year because the bullpen was so bad then he becomes a starter he was sort of up and down at different points this season and he goes out and and throws a great game on friday night and turns around less than 48 hours later to to close the game out like a crazy story bryce harper i'm fascinated with the bryce harper story and i guess it's hard not to be yeah i mean the thing that i keep thinking about isn't just that like oh wow this is a great player or wow look at this guy be able to own a big moment it's that from the time he was 16 years old baseball as an industry was fascinated with him i mean Mm -hmm. you know listen lebron james is an international superstar and to compare lebron james to bryce harper is, is probably that's that's unfair that might be a little bit of a reach just because of everything else that goes into to the well, image of LeBron James. But but in terms of the way that he was followed and the way that the industry for what it was focused on him as a, as a kid, as a 16-year-old, 
it was because he was a prodigy. He was the next great thing. He was going to somehow change or revolutionize baseball, become the face of it. And he was a damn good player for a very, very long time. MVPs, multiple MVPs. He, he met the hype, but he needed that moment. He needed that run. He needed that swing to, I think, really validate the, the hype and the way that, that he was just followed and analyzed and thought about so long ago. And yesterday, that was the final box. I know he hasn't won a championship yet. We'll see what happens. We'll get to that. But I really just felt like that is a moment that only a legend has. You know, you, you sometimes you have those role players have those moments in the postseason. But really, when you're talking about a guy that's supposed to be the guy to play as well as he did, and then to cap it off with that swing, unfucking believable. And, and he didn't believe it either. I don't know if you saw the video of him saying, I can't believe I just did that. Like, I mean, he, he actually says that in the dugout as he's taking his batting gloves off and his helmet off. He's talking to, I think it was Hoskins he was talking to. He goes, I can't believe I just did that. I mean, he, he, he even surprised himself with that home run yesterday. You're not far off, though, with the LeBron thing. I mean, the only, the only difference is, is basketball is more of an international game than baseball is. And so, I mean, yeah, he has a bigger following. But I think that there's some international following for Bryce Harper. I think, yeah. you know, you know, we see the Japanese media that are that are there uh, at the at the ball game, and the Korean media that's at the ball game, and um, uh, I, I, you know, we have uh, uh, the, all the Hispanic um, reporters that are there from different countries. So I mean, like this matters. Well, certainly, around- it's an international game. Yeah. you know, I just think that Bryce Harper is a. An, I don't want to even what it's not even about like nation like a national yeah, yeah. focus. It's just that I feel like you know LeBron is just he's I'll tell a you global what, brand. I'll tell you what Bryce Harper needed. Bryce Harper needed Philadelphia as much as Philadelphia needed Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper ends up with the Nationals, which is a I don't know how many times you've been to games down there. I mean, I used to live in DC. I it's a transient town. With the exception of the of the football team, and even that nowadays they don't have the following that they used to. Um, nobody down there ever really cared about the other sports that much. You know the the the, the Capitals, the Bullets slash Wizards, um, and, and then eventually the Nationals. Like it was just kind of like they were just there. They were just kind of part of whatever. You know, yeah, maybe some politicians will come over and see the game one day. Oh, we can take a day off from work and go. There were no fans. They were, it was, it was very corporate. It was a corporate entity. And I think Bryce needs to fuel himself with a a situation that are like what arose yesterday. He needs to fuel himself with that. And never really, I don't think he ever really had that. First of all, he was young in Washington. And we saw some of the brashness with him, um, you know, obviously going at it with Papelbon, right? I mean, we, we saw that whole thing. Um, but he needed to be in a location where he could embrace not just the moment, but the people and, and, and everything else as much as the people could embrace him. It had to be symbiotic. And there's only a few places in this, in this country where that would have worked. Philadelphia happened to be one, and thankfully for Philadelphia, Bryce Harper chose here. What I, I, I've thought about with him, and I, and I actually talked to, to you about this over the weekend. He comes here, and I think that he was he was under the impression that 
you know, Philadelphia is is a place to be like you're talking about. Like this is a place with this electric fan base. It's going to fill up all the time. We're going to have so many big wins here. And I'm going to have my stature elevated because I did it in this city, you know, and it didn't happen like that in, in 2019 and in, in 2020, certainly with everything that happened falling short a, a couple of years in a row. And I wondered if, if things did fall apart down the stretch this off season, I don't think we would have been there quite there yet going into 23. Cause listen, John Middleton has spent the money. The organization is doing the right things. Let's pretend that this, this run didn't occur and they just got bounced in St. Louis. I think that once you take a deep breath, you would still say that the Phillies are trending in a positive direction. You feel good about what's coming down the line with the pitching staff and, you know, Andrew Painter and Mick Abel and, and all of that. But I, I do wonder if, if Bryce Harper's head hits the pillow and, and kind of go like, did I, did I make a mistake? You know, like it's been four years. I haven't won here. The crowd hasn't been as electric as I thought it would be. And now all of that gets wiped away. I mean, what we've seen here, I think is a validation of his decision to come here. Um, and I think what we've seen is the fans really rise to the occasion. I think that this fan base is going to be gripped by this team now moving forward. I think they needed, as I've said multiple times, these postseason moments, this run to really re-engage with baseball at, at full bore like they did from 09, really, after the World Series last time through 2011 and 2012 even. I think that that has now cemented the relationship between this organization and this city, and it's going to really rejuvenate the sport and, and the way that people feel about it. They woke up th- these past three weeks and, and realized, like I said before, Oh shit, you know, this is, this is amazing. This team can make a city feel this way. And and that's what we've seen play out here. It is. Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's just awesome, Bob. And, and, you know, I, I know you and I, you know, especially in our, in, in uh, crossing broad, we're, we're the baseball guys, right? I mean, we're, we're the guys who you know, always people always give us grief about baseball being a dying sport and nobody cares about baseball, right? We have to sit there and listen to the BS in there. And, and then it's fun to sit in that Slack chat and watch every one of these people get caught up in this, right? Every one of our, of our colleagues getting caught up in it and, and loving uh, the Phillies right now and loving the run that they're on. And we see it in the city. And I had this conversation actually um, – uh, on the elevator yesterday before the game, uh, I was riding the elevator up to the press box and, and was talking um, with, uh, oh my God, why, I can't do freaking, is it, is it Rob Ellis from, w, from WIP. Rob Ellis is, is um, and I are going up the elevator. And I said to him, I said, Rob, I said, you know, is this town a baseball town? And he said, yes, it is. He said, I've always believed that. I said, so have I. I've always believed this is a baseball town. Obviously, the team has to be good. Can't be bad. Nobody will go. We saw that, right? I mean, the fans didn't attend. Even and they were so and things were so bad for so long that they were they were really arm's length even this year down the stretch, right? We were like, why aren't more people coming? There's only twenty five thousand people here. It's they're in a they're in a playoff race. But once you show them that you matter. And once you show them that baseball is alive and well, this city goes bonkers. Not to say that it's more than football, because I'm, I, I would never go that it's more than football. There are times it can be more than football, but on the whole, it's not. But I do think that when good baseball is being played and the team, is, and the team matters, 
that it is on par. It is equal to the excitement about the Eagles. And it's more, and the reason is, and, and to be fair, I want to be fair about it. The reason I say that, and the reason that it works that way, when you when people care about baseball, there's a different game every night. Right. And so there's always something new to talk about. Right. Football sometimes can get stale because you play one day and then you have to talk about the same thing for seven days until they play again, right? So, so that's why it's like, oh, here we go again. With the, uh, you listen to talk radio, it's like, oh, they go with the Eagles again. Right? Blah, blah, blah. And then why aren't they talking about the Phillies? Why aren't they talking about the Sixers or Flyers? Whatever. And that's why it gets, it gets repetitive and it gets tough. But baseball, when it's good and, and you care every day and you're invested every day, there's nothing that matters more in this city. Yeah, and this is an easy team now to kind of connect with, and it's an easy team to really jump on and, and feel strongly about. I mean, and, and which is crazy because if I would have said that six weeks ago, people would have said it's it's virtually impossible to connect with this team. But, you know, there is there is an element of this, and, and I don't want to come across like snobbish or elitist or anything like this, but like there is a little bit of a, well, you know, a lot of people that are on for the ride right now are just kind of, just kind of learning what, what has been going on here. You know, like there's a, a great section of Phillies fans that are diehards that have really followed and lived this thing since, you know, the first world series run from the time they were born, whenever it may have been. But there are a lot of people that kind of really just detach themselves from this for probably the, the better part of a decade and are, are coming back now. And, and that's great. Right. Like that's, you need those people. Well, I'll tell you, what you I'll, I'll tell you what you, what you need more than anything. How old were you when the Phillies were on their run in 07 to 11? Uh, early 20s, 22, right? 22, 23, yeah. Okay, so you were a young adult, right? And it was a cool thing, Yeah. right? It was it was like you could go out with your friends, you could go to the bars, you could celebrate, you could have your drinks, you can go crazy if you want, you know, get a little nutty, right? I mean, and that's kind of like, it was kind of an, it was an event. Every game was an event and it was a fun thing to do. Then you go for 11 years where that doesn't happen. So the people who are that age now, they were what, 9, 10, 11 years old when the Phillies won the World Series? And I'm sure it was exciting and fun for them as kids, right? Like that's awesome that you win as a kid. But it, there's nothing better than winning when you're a young adult, right? I mean, that's there the is. best time. You're absolutely right. I mean, listen, I got out of college and they they won the World Series. My first year working as a professional they, they had gone on that run in 08. And I mean, my first paychecks were, it just literally came into the bank account and went to Ticketmaster. Like I mean, it was just, it should have just been a straight transaction. I was a middleman in that whole thing. Um, and it was unbelievable. I mean, some of the best times of my life, some of the best nights of my life were, were down there with my friends, you know, having beer dumped on us at, you know, McFadden's at the stadium post game. I was fortunate enough to be in the stands for a lot of those games. Just unbelievable moments, the, uh, things, conversations, people. I'll never, I'll never forget those moments. You know, right, um, right. Yeah, I mean, people now, a new generation of people are finally getting to experience those moments as well, and it's, it's been, it's been really cool for, you know, for, for even me, for older people to see that. You're like, now you get, you get your shot, you know, and that's, that's really cool. It's a shame that a whole generation had to go by before that happened but it, well, you know here we are but i saw it last night and i you know i told you i went over to xfinity last night i wanted to get a little bit of video um i would have stayed longer and, and gotten you know schwerber riding the bull and other stuff but they were late getting there and i didn't want to stay i was in the long enough day as it was but they started filtering in i guess it was nick nelson shows up at 
like 9.15. I guess he was like the first one in. And he's there with uh, his wife, or I guess his wife and daughter, who may, is maybe three, four years old. This little cute little blonde girl. And they're up on the upper level. And he brings her to, like, to right to the edge and tells her to wave down to the crowd. Now, we're talking about a thousand, I'm going to say a thousand. I, I assume that's what's in there, right? Maybe even a little bit more. But a thousand people, all ninety-five uh, percent of whom are under the age of twenty-six. Okay, and all of a sudden they're waving to this little girl, drunk off their ass, right? But waving like it was like the cutest little thing. Like they weren't they weren't obnoxious. They weren't you know like what you would think. They were just like, hey, this is awesome for that little kid. We're gonna wave to that little kid. And then, of course, they all start filtering in, and the place is going nuts, and it's a party. And I'm looking around, and I'm saying, they were all kids the last time this happened. They were all little kids. Everybody yeah. in this building was a little kid. Like, now they get to experience it. Maybe this is a renaissance for baseball in this town. And like like it was in 07 to, to 11 or 12, I mean, I guess. Um, it was a renaissance then. I think we're going. We're going to experience it now because this team's not just going to go away. This is not a one. It's not a one-trick pony, right? I mean, this is going to be a team that's going to be competitive for a few years. It's this is a baseball renaissance in this town, and that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's probably not the the day to talk about twenty twenty three, but I mean, when you really step back and look at how this is all played out, this wasn't supposed to be a World Series year. You felt like get into the playoffs. That's step one, yeah. and then we'll take the next step. Oh, they're here now, right? Yeah. So, well, it kind of reminds me of when Gillick said in 08, this isn't our year. Next year is the year that we're – and then they go ahead and win the freaking whole thing that year, right? Right. So. So I think the one thing now that we we talk about uh, as as we start to kind of digest everything that has happened, let's let's – I don't want to get to the nuts and bolts of, of the games that much, right? Like, I, and I, maybe some people are listening to this because we typically will do that. But I think it's more of a day of just talking about the importance and the significance and the moments and, and all of those things. But there, there, are, there are two things. I mean, we've already touched on Harper and the swing and the situation and, and just how a player that's that highly regarded can perform at that a level. You know, the one thing I want to say is that there, there's like five people on the planet that can perform at that level consistently and then have that type of moment on top of it. I mean, it was just like from just a human standpoint, forget, forget like he's a Philly, what it means to Philadelphia. It's amazing to watch somebody be so good at something and have the mental focus to be able to perform in a moment of that magnitude is just, it's a marvel to watch a human being perform at that level in anything. It's just amazing. Maybe, maybe. I'm not there yet because I he has to win it. To me, I think he has to win a championship. But maybe the best baseball player in Philadelphia Phillies history. I, I'm not being crazy with that either. Like I, Schmidt's still ahead of him, but only slightly, Bob. Only slightly, and and that's and that's because of the success Schmidt had. You know, three MVPs, won a championship, right? Whatever, 548 career home runs. Uh, but what Harper is doing is no one's ever done here before. So, so he might be. That, so the fact that Harper did what he did, uh, one of the things I can't help but think about, there are two things that I really point to that even allowed that moment to, to happen. And it's not JT Real Muto, who, by the way, deserves a ton of credit for starting that inning with a base yeah. hit. 
Yeah. But that aside, a two strike hit, no less. Yeah, a great, a great, uh, a great at bat. There, there are two things that I just can't get over. Number one, you know, I guess it kind of at the time felt like it was an excuse or, or crying over, you know, you know, making, yeah, making an excuse, crying over a situation. But can you believe that they played through that seventh inning? Uh, it was remarkable. I, I, I can't. It was so bad, and it was like. What the hell is Major League Baseball thinking? And I, I well, I, I kind of know what they were thinking. Like, shit, we don't have the we don't have the extra day here, right? We don't have the day off built in, and we really don't want to go late into this night because if the Padres win, we got to fly back to San Diego, and it's a cross country flight, and they got to play tomorrow night. So that's what the, that's what they're thinking. Like, we got to freaking play. So the frustrating part to me, Bob, and I said it to you yesterday, was because it happened twice. Well. Why can they rep- fix the field and take the time to do all the things that they need to do when the Padres are about to pitch and field, but when the Phillies are pitching and fielding, sorry about your luck. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was, that was the <laughs> mind blowing part to me. Yeah. It was like, you know, keep it even guys. Yeah. And I mean, you heard it. I'm sure you saw the stat yesterday, especially if you're a Twitter person, but Sir Anthony Dominguez, 50, 54 appearances this season, 51 innings pitched, three wild pitches. And he just so happens to uncork three all in the same frame, which essentially gifted the Padres a go-ahead run. And, you know, listen, I don't know what would have happened had the Phillies gone back to San Diego tonight. I had the Phillies in six. I actually think Aaron Nola would have pitched well, and I think the Phillies probably would have won the series in six. They were the better team. But you never know. And one thing I said to you, I said, listen, I don't know how this is going to play out. I hope this is not how they lose this game, though. You know, I hope that this isn't the storyline. The, oh, here we go, Major League Baseball, the baseball gods. Like, you don't want to invite those those obstacles into the path. And for them to kind of just blow, blow through the obstacles and just mow through them, I thought was really important. Now, the Harper at bat itself, he gets behind early in the count, and he lays off off speed. Like, if you go by and watch that pitch-by-pitch sequence – he lays off off speed low in the zone. How many players on the planet after seeing 98, 99 belt to chest high are diving there and, 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 and not, you know, and staying off that pitch really, really impressive. I know that Suarez had not allowed and Bob Melvin pointed to this after the game Suarez had not allowed a Homer to a left-handed hitter the entire season, but he also did not face Bryce Harper who was playing with his hair on fire in an electric moment all season. And that brings me to this point of it. Looked at you, and we saw Josh Hader warming up in the bullpen in the eighth inning, and he wasn't ready yet. And after the game, Bob Melvin talked about, well, we weren't going to get two innings out of him. Why not? How do you not deploy Josh Hader in that situation against Bryce Harper? I thought it was baffling. And if if you weren't going to get two innings out of him, that was going to be your high leverage point of the game. You had the middle of the Phillies order up. You, you get through that, and if you had to go to somebody else in the ninth, then so be it. But in that spot, man, I just don't get it. Well, we also talked about the possibility of Hill coming yeah. in, who's also a good reliever, left-handed, sidewinder, tough to pick up. Right? I mean, like either one, to me, would have been a better option than Suarez. What I think was more impressive about Bryce, and we were talking about it a couple of pitches before the, the home run, is – He's getting fastballs away because Suarez doesn't want to put it into his wheelhouse, doesn't want to give up the home run. And he's like, look at the way that they're playing him. 
He's got the they're giving him the third baseline. They're giving him that same just a base hit. You get a base hit, Real Muto goes to third, then you have first and third, nobody out. All you need is a fly ball to tie this game. That's what you and I were talking about. And Harper, you could see twice, tried to do that. He actually tried to go the other way. He fouled off both of them, but he was trying to go the other way, trying to go the other way. And I think that those two swings on fastballs away sets him up to hit the home run to left center field. Because then all it takes is for that ball to be just a little bit further in and for that swing to be a little bit better timed. And as professional hitters, you know, they can, like you've said, they can time a jet plane, right? And hit it on the nose. Um, that Those two swings, I think, were imperative to him hitting that ball. Now, like John Middleton told us last night, he thought it was going to be a double off the wall, which would still been good enough, right? I mean, that would have gotten Real Muto home, would have been a huge hit. But it was it was just fascinating. And I can I, I could still remember sitting there. Like I think I was the I may have yelled it, Bob. I may have yelled it. I think I yelled he got he got it. Yeah. And I and we're sitting there like bracing it. And then you're on my left and Chris Murray's on my right. And Chris Murray hits me in the arm. He's like, oh no, he got it. And you're like, he you're like, he did. We're going, it's like things you don't do in a press box. But how can you not? Yeah. How can you not? It was- My reaction, like, I'm very cognizant of the fact. I mean, listen, we've talked about this on the show a million times. Yes. Like, I love the Phillies. Come on, man. I grew up in this you know, part of – I grew up in South Jersey. I don't want to say I grew up in the city, but I love the Phillies. Like, my family loves the Phillies. All my friends love the Phillies. I'm getting text messages left and right. People going absolutely crazy, right? Yeah. And I'm always very cognizant of, like, listen, yeah, I mean, I, I grew up as a fan. I've tr- I – I think I play it pretty professional. Like I don't go yes. down there and fanboy it. it. You know, if you didn't know me personally, you wouldn't say this guy's a Phillies fan. Like you, you right. wouldn't know. Right. But in that moment, my reaction, like I kind of like gave you like the elbow. Like I yeah. gave you like, holy shit. Yes. About like, it was more like, I can't believe that this player did this thing in this moment as so much as it was like, go Phillies. It was just like a, can you believe that this guy did this? And it was a, just an unbelievable moment. Bob, 22 years of covering professional sports in this city. I've never reacted like that once. I, look, I, I'm a, I was a huge Flyers fan as a kid growing up, and I've seen many great Flyers goals, playoff goals, right? I mean, that won games, like unbelievable goals and whatever. Never once responded because I think that the moment was that special yeah. last night. And not only that, I'll tell you why. It's funny that it's. I mentioned this to you very briefly yesterday, but earlier this summer, I did. I just was. I was bored, and I said, oh, "I'm going to do the best 50 calls in the history of the Phillies." Yeah. And that is. I got to completely revise the list because yeah, you got a few to add. I mean, I mean, Fransky's been unbelievable yeah. here in the in the playoffs, but Bedlam at the Bank, yeah, is is going to be stairs rips one into the night. We're going to remember the words Bedlam at the Bank. That's Bryce Harper's home run. Praising Scott Fransky for a big call and a big moment is nothing new. Uh, he's been great at it for for so long now. And it's almost the expectation. It's Harper hits the home run and you say, we got to get the Fransky call. It's yeah. almost like an instantaneous reaction to what we do, especially, you know, working with Crossing Broad. But I'll tell you what. We as a city tend to uh, very – we are very slow to give national broadcasters credit. And I, I tweeted this today. You know, Joe Davis is 34 years old. That's 34 years old. 
And he's already the number one Fox broadcaster once Joe Buck went to ESPN. And so I guess you could already say he's the man, he's a star, but he's not a household name as a broadcaster. And let me tell you something. He is a guy for the next 15, 20, 30 years that I think is going to be a is going to just cement himself as as one of the better broadcasters. I agree. From a national perspective. And in that moment yesterday, you know, not only you get the electricity. The electricity fuels the call to begin with, but the swing of his life. You know, we talked about Bryce Harper being this this prodigy as a 16 year old, and all of the expectations and all of the eyeballs that followed him around, and the MVPs and everything that he's accomplished already to this point in his career. But the swing of his life is just such a perfect call for that particular player yep. because of everything that goes into what he is and what he's been and the hype and the expectation. And it was, right? Like, it was the swing of his life. What a perfect call in that spot from a national broadcaster. Uh, an all-timer, as far as I go. Was it stairs rips one deep into the night? I don't know. Maybe if the Phillies go on to the, win the World Series, in hindsight, we put a, an extra point or two on the call. But I thought he crushed it, and I think he deserves a lot of credit for it. I agree with you. I agree. With you. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people were, you know, a lot of fans were uh, on the national broadcasters for Fox. You know, they think John Smoltz was a, favoring the Padres and Davis. Was I think that those two are sensational. Yeah, Joe, Joe Davis wasn't favoring the Padres. He's, he comes from the Dodgers organization. Right. Like, if yeah. there was anybody to not favor the Padres, it would be Joe Davis. Right. I think that those two are phenomenal. I think yeah. John Smoltz is clearly the best baseball analyst, national baseball analyst there is. And Joe Davis, you're right, has quickly cemented himself as the best baseball broadcaster out there. I agree on Smoltz. I will tell you, I, I always think, um, yeah, I've always defended Joe Buck. I know a lot of people probably listening. To I like Joe Buck too. Rolling, yeah, yeah. Instantly yeah. rolling your eyes. Like Joe Buck was against us in 08. Like, no, he wasn't like, he, he really, um, I promise you, Joe Buck wasn't against Philadelphia. Now, I did think that his call sometimes uh, during that run in 08, like, lacked energy. Like, I, I thought he crushed the stairs call. I thought he did a good job with the utley Deke play against the Rays. Yeah. He had his moments. But, okay, if, you, if you're not in love with Joe Buck, that's totally fine. I, I, I think he's great. I'm not someone that you typically will, will crush national broadcasters. But I, I will tell you with Smoltz, I agree with you in principle that he's He's very good. He may be the best analyst. And I respect his ability to talk through pitching. I do think, however, he do overdoes it sometimes. Like, you can let it breathe. You don't have to give us the, the, the thought process of the execution or the execution uh, of every individual pitch. And I also felt like in game one against the Padres, I tweeted about it at the time. You Darvish is a, a very good major league pitcher. I mean, we were we were overdoing it a little bit in game one, I thought. It was mm -hmm. like just this total like love fest. And not that he was rooting for San Diego, but I'm like, dude, all right, like we all we under, we understand. No, I, thought, I, I, I get that. I get that. And that's fair. And, and and that's and that's fine. I tend to like guys that are like that. Um like I, I like I, well, he's become a caricature of himself, but I, I kind of liked Tony Romo when he first came in came on as a broadcaster, being able to tell you what was going to happen. Like reading the defense and tell you here's what's coming, and I know that people hate it. Some it's people gonna be a run to the left, Jim. <laughs> I know some people hated that, but I loved it. I'm like, this is awesome. Like this is like this is what you you we I wish we've had for years that someone would come up there and kind of explain this. So what are you seeing? You know that tells you that this is going to happen. It makes you smarter as a fan. 
Um, and I know a Rod is a Rod is so volatile. Um, there's times when he's just flat out bad, really bad. But he does. He is another guy who has moments where he can predict something, where he can say, you know, I all it takes is this, and you know, if you do this, whatever. But like he was the one who found what was going wrong with Harper before he got hot. Right. You know, and just talking yeah. about the difference between his legs and his upper half, and he's what's what does it mean to be in between? It means that you're behind on fastballs, but you're way out in front on breaking pitches. I think that's educational for fans, and I don't have a problem with that. That said, Davis and Smoltz versus anybody else who's been – if you've watched any other games, uh, on whether it's on Fox or TBS or ESPN, no matter what you got, I don't think that there's a comparator. I think that they are so far ahead, it's not even funny. And I hope that – I guess they're doing the World Series, right? I, I would imagine so. I mean, you're, I'm looking at the schedule right now, and we're uh, – game one, Fox – yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think we're looking at probably an eight oh seven start on Friday night. I know it's yeah. not official yet, but that's probably what we're looking at. Yeah. I mean, listen, we're thirty six minutes into this show, and we have not. I mean, there are so many different things that we could talk about, and we're just not going to get to them. I mean, check check the boxes real quick. Zach Wheeler, um, unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, you know, the timeliness of of the hits, even when guys weren't like on. You look at some of the numbers through the course of the five games, and you go, well. You know, he didn't really hit all that well. JT Realmuto, uh, the numbers aren't great. You know, Nick Castellanos, the numbers aren't great. Bryson Stott. <laughs> I mean, just what else can you what else can you say? Like, and and the last thing I want to do is like sit here and like pat ourselves on the back. Like, oh well, we had yeah. to take two months ago and we got it right. But have you ever seen a guy that hit 234 during the regular season? Has been. I don't know if he cracked 200 with with the with the hit yesterday. At one point, though, I'm looking at Saturday night. He's hitting like 189 in the postseason, and I'm saying to myself, like these numbers are so unimpressive. Yet I'm so incredibly impressed with this kid as a, as a player. I mean, he's 25 years old. Like we treat him like he's 20, but he's he's a rookie, and he just for a guy that has not played that much at the major league level, who's still a relatively young player. The guy just has – he has brass ones, man. Like, it, it's almost to the point where, like, Harper is a, is a different story. But if, if there's, like, a big spot where you want a guy up, it's it's almost – it's him. You know, they, they blow the lead yesterday in the seventh inning, and what does he do? And I know they didn't end up scoring there, but boom, double. Like, right away. Like, just w- without flinch. You know, had the opposite field hit the night before. That was, it was a big part of it. Just an unbelievable player. Just a big-time player. Uh, did you see the quote? By the way, you mentioned that you're talking about saying he's got he's got brass ones. Did you see uh, the quote from Zach Eflin no. yesterday? No, I saw him tell John Clark like let's let's fucking go. Yeah, I saw that. Okay, yeah. this is this was from I believe it was a Comcast story. I, I want to make or a uh, NBC story. Want to make sure that I I want to make sure I gave it the right give credit where it's due. I think it was from uh, from one of the NBC sports stories. He says, that's what's great about this team. I probably shouldn't say this, but we play with our balls. We don't play with our head. We definitely expect to get outs. We expect to get hits, and we expect to score more runs than the other team. We're pumped to win four more. So think about that for a second, right? It's And that kind of talks about exactly what you're saying. Some of the, the numbers aren't great, except for Harper. But if you're, if you're out there balling, as he's saying, 
Like Reese Hoskins, for example. Well, that was where I was going. Actually, yeah, when like- I first started talking, I sort of derailed myself. I detoured into <laughs> Bryce Top, and I said, how the hell have you had a show here and, and not talked about Reese Hoskins yet? So I guess now is, is the time. Yeah. We all know the story. The Phillies are in the World Series here, and so we're going to have some new listeners. Like, we've we've had – we've looked at the metrics. Things are going very well for the show lately. So, if you've been listening over the years, you know where I'm at on Reese Hoskins. Great guy. I'm, I'm rooting for him on a personal level. I think he's a very flawed player. The streakiness drives me crazy. I've wondered in the past, not unfairly, I don't think either, is he a winning player? Like, is he a guy that can step up in big-time moments? And then you see the way that he starts this postseason, and you go, come on, man, you know? And even after the home run against Atlanta last week with the bat spike, you would have thought, like, that—that that is his big moment. Like, that goes down in Philly's history. That cements, that stabilizes everything with this guy. And then the next series starts, and you're like, oh, God, like, the defensive miscues and like just not hitting again. You're like, come on, man. Well, here we are now. And I don't know that I can ever recall a weekend that was more turbulent, more of a roller coaster for a player than what Reese Hoskins had. And I know that we did this story on Gene Segura on Friday night, like the redemption story, like bad play, great, you know, great at bat. Like you're the hero after the goat. But I mean, the, the Reese Hoskins version of that is, is Segura on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it is, and and you know, I've always been, I've always liked Hoskins more because I believe in his bat, and I know that he's streaky. I know that drives you nuts, but I know over the course of a season, I mean, you know, we look at a lot of players that ha- that put up his kind of numbers. They they have their streakiness, right? I mean, he maybe he's a little bit more streaky than most people. When he's hot, he's unbelievably hot. When he's cold, he's unbelievably cold. Um, but in the end, he produces good numbers. I mean, in comparison, like you know, I did a thing on him where um, you know where he ranked amongst first basemen uh, in, in baseball, and he's like seventh, you know, with in a lot of categories, sixth or seventh in a lot of categories of all first basemen in baseball. So if you have the sixth or seventh best offensive first baseman in the sport out of thirty-two, you're happy with that, right? I mean, you should be happy with that. That said. Man, his defensive his defensive miscues kill me. Man, they, I just it's like like I mean they're such simple plays and it's bad footwork. It's falling on your ass trying to catch a ball at first base. Like it's a position I played when I played baseball. It's a position I play as an old man playing old man softball. And and I sit there and say I don't look that bad now. In the field at 48, I don't look that bad. You heard it here first, everybody. Anthony Sanders <laughs> play a tighter first base. I, I can't believe like on this, like that one hopper to his glove that he misses the other night. And yeah. I'm like, it's a routine play. It's routine. And so that stuff drives me crazy because it's fundamental. Well, I, I will tell you, I was I that was said he's he's a legend now. He's he, a legend he's become, now. He's become a legend. I mean, one of the things that you look at when a when a team's stinks and and stinks for a long time and and you get these breaths of fresh air reese hoskins comes up the way that he does and he kind of gives you some hope you're like wow here's a homegrown guy that that has some big time power and maybe he's going to be part of the next core that wins and then the team disappoints and he struggles at key moments during a lot of those 
those, you know, September collapses or whatever you want to call them. And you start to question, like, is this guy a winning player? Is this, a, is this guy going to hold a trophy on a podium one day? And I think it became harder to see that as time progressed. And then you blink as recently as maybe the beginning of this month, you, you question whether or not he'd be that guy. Or maybe you have different points in these in, in this during this postseason run. And then you blink and you see that he powers them to to where they're at today. They don't get to this point without him. They don't make this run. Bryce Harper does not have the opportunity to, to just create this epic legendary moment without what Reese Hoskins did. And he now forever, no matter what happens, no matter if he comes back, uh, they trade him, he becomes a free agent and goes elsewhere. He stays here for another eight years. And we could talk about that. I know now's not really the time to talk about the future, but one thing that I did posit at the beginning of this run was if they make this crazy postseason run and get to the World Series and he is part of the, the, the equation that drives it there, does it alter his future in this city? And I don't know the answer to that. I do wonder, though, if you start to get swept up in the moment. I didn't think he was long for Philadelphia. I didn't know if it was going to be a fit moving forward. I do wonder, though, after this weekend and the way that this all played out, if he's not, you know, it, it may, maybe he is back. I, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll see. But he is now cementing himself as, I don't know if he's an all-time great. His, 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 He's going up on the wall of fame one day. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that much. I mean, we know that now. And I don't know that we would have known that a week or two ago. I but he's a wall of fame player now. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, he's, he hit four home runs in this series in the NLCS. Now, how many guys do that? How many guys hit four home runs in the league championship series? Not many. Yeah. Not many. Reese Hoskins did. And, you know? and a good, like, feelings aside, not everybody's a good guy. Some teams have some really bad guys, and you end up rooting for them anyway because they're your team. Yeah. But he's a guy that I, I, I've always just felt like this is a really solid dude. Like, a, a really good dude that when things aren't going well, you you feel for him a little bit. Like yeah. that, I think that's always been for me. Like, and as I've gotten older, I think I've gotten a little bit, a little bit smarter. Like when I was a twenty three year old making error, I'd be like, "You got to get rid of this guy, stinks." You know, you start to kind of balance out a little bit, I think, and you realize, like, listen, you're not going to make every play, you're not going to get a hit every time. I, I just looked at him though, and I was like, I I'm truly on a personal level happy for the guy you know it meant a lot to him you know he's been through a lot he's obviously been here when things weren't great and uh the the amount of doubt and questioning that that's some of it coming from me even that he's received it was cool cool to see on a human level him do that yeah i mean it it really is bob i mean you know he's he's a guy that that you just like you said, I mean, you want to root for him because because of who he is. And and the one thing I can say about this team, and I, I'm a little surprised by this. I got to be honest. That locker room is a bunch of good guys. Yeah. Right. Like, and Reese Reese is you know one of the top ones there, but they're all that way. I mean, like, I don't I don't look at that locker room and go, oh, he's a bad dude. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, he's, yeah. you know, he doesn't fit or, you know, whatever. I mean, even guys who are slightly standoffish, like in like a Castellanos, for example, I don't get the sense that he's a bad guy. Not at all. Not right? at all. I just get that he's just, you know, it's the way he is with the media and that's okay. But you look at him with the team 
And like he's like right in, like he's one of the guys, like he's one of the boys, you know. Yeah. And I and I really get. A I mean, sense. He, was, he was going Go hard as hell last night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes, he was. Yes, he and was. They were loving it too. They were loving it. You know who? Yes. Was? Yeah. Like, I don't and know. Go ahead. Go ahead. But that's the thing. Like, I mean, like, you've been in locker rooms. I've been in locker rooms. There's always teams. There's always that guy or two on the team. You're like, yeah, whatever. Th- this, te- this team doesn't seem to have that at all. Yeah. And that's a, that's an interesting thing. And, it, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, Middleton, went, before he was talking to us, he was talking to um, MLB.com. And uh, uh, the one of the things that they – or MLB Network. I'm sorry, not MLB.com. MLB Network. And one of the things that he was saying to them, you know, about how his involvement with the team, and he, he said, you know, I really don't, I'm not a baseball guy. I don't really like to get involved. Obviously, I have to get involved when it comes to finances and things. He says, but where I feel like I can help is, is you know, with the culture. And when you hear him say that, and you see how he is with the fans, right? I mean, he's awesome with the fans. He's, he's always outside taking pictures, inviting people up to his box, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and you see, like, how much it, it matters to him. If he's – and the Phillies have always had that family-like culture, belief, sometimes to a fault. But if you let somebody like a Dombrowski, who knows how to put a team together, put a team together and let him do his job, and at the same time you mold the, the culture and the feel around it, that's a, that's a really good combination of owner-management, Right. And I, so I give him a lot of credit for that because I think that a lot of the reason the guys in that locker room are the way they are, obviously it's it's Dombrowski and, and Fold and his deck group, of course, but I think Middleton has a lot to do with it too. Yeah. No, I do give him credit for that. And one of the things that he's done, I actually think that, that John Middleton has sort of reinvented himself. Like the things that you're speaking to are probably always true. Yes. But he's he goes a- on his – he goes on his media tour and he wants yeah. to get his effing trophy back in all time quote. I, you know, when we, when you primarily drove the conversation to be blunt, but like I chimed in and just said like, you got your trophy there. You know, I know that's not the big one, but, and he like laughed and, you know, he said, yeah, like you got to get this one first though, before we get the next one. And like, I think that he's always wanted to win. I think that he's always tried to win. Obviously he spent a ton of money, even before he went over the luxury tax this year, he's been aggressive. He's tried to buy the Phillies out of some of their deficiencies. It had not worked in terms of return on investment. But one of the things I think he got trapped with was that like, okay, he was taking ownership responsibility. He was trying to become like a, a voice sort of. And, you know, you remember the potted plant comments at the press conference and you just kind of like, John, on like your your heart is in the right place but this isn't this isn't coming across the way that you want it to well intended right but just wasn't playing the way that you wanted it to and you know now you you see him out there he's in the he's in the the concourse talking to people he's picking up balls at batting practice he's he's just he's a guy that like when you say like a guy really wants to win like it's true and he's doing the things that an owner like if you're a phillies fan like you remember the, the guy back in the day? Like, I don't know if you remember this. It was kind of like an online meme at the time, but like felony fraud. Like John John Middleton should be arrested for felony fraud yes. for, for conning Phillies. That's all nonsense. I mean, John Middleton's a, a, a damn good owner, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. not perfect, but a really good, well-intended owner and or well-intentioned owner. And uh, you could see it on his face. Like, you just like forget what he said, like because he talks a lot. 
But you could just look at his face and his eyes, and you could see how excited. It was like a 10-year-old a boy, like the 10-year-old boy in him that like one day was going to be a baseball owner. Like he, he lit up the same way that a 10-year-old would have. Yeah, no, you're 100% correct. 100%. And, and that was, and that's what I, that's what I like about him. And, you know, I've always, I've always kind of like, I've kind of defended him at times when I felt like, you know, it was, he, he just sounded bad publicly, but I, I kind of, like you just said, his intention was right, but it was just not the right time to, to say what he said. But there were times where I also felt that he was holding back unnecessarily. And I criticized him at those times, but at the, but Yet, I, you know, you see what you see what's there, and you hear what's being said, and it's like, okay, well, I probably he probably did the same thing with the last group, right? With McPhail and with Clentac, probably did the same thing with those guys. Let them do their job, and he just you know whatever does on his end, and they were just so bad at their jobs that it made him look look worse. Right. You know, and of course, you know, hey, you're the you're the top guy. You're always going to, you know, that's where all the, the focus is going to be. You're going to get the blame. Right. So th I don't think he's changed how he's managed things. I just think that he's gotten he's made better decisions with who's in charge of what. And it and it's that therefore made him made him look better or at least made him look like the guy that he actually is as opposed to people who aren't doing their jobs who make him look worse. No, I, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, there are a couple other things on the list here. Unfortunately, I have a, a day job that I have to go uh, attend to here shortly, but there are a few things I want to talk about. So maybe another 10, 15 minutes yeah, yeah. before we jump out of this. I mean, first of all, well, actually not first of all, but we'll get to the, the World Series in a moment. You know, oh, we're gonna do we have to talk about the World Series. No, we actually have to talk about what what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but I just want to talk about Kyle Schwarber real quick because we we really haven't yeah. <laughs> at all. Yeah. And uh, he's a guy who's sort of been in the middle of everything here. I know that you one can't compare, as you said earlier, the Eagles to the Phillies, and they have to win four more games. And Kyle Schwarber's been here one year. And the player that I'm about to talk about has been here for the better part of, of 10, 10 plus now. But don't you kind of just get like, I'll call it like the JV version. But if they go on to win a World Series and this guy has a couple more good games and hits a couple more long home runs, doesn't Kyle Schwerber sort of kind of give you Jason Kelsey vibes a little bit? Like, don't you sort of feel like this is a dude that like a year, two, three, four years, the rest of his time here, like the rest of the, the 10, 15 years from now, like, we're going to be like, yo, Kyle Schwarber's back. Like, Kyle Schwarber's in town. Like, that's my guy. Like, I feel like we're cementing. Like, you got the Schwarber Fest thing going with Wawa. Like, the dude is, like, kind of becoming this, like, cult hero sort of. And I know he has that standing in other cities. Like, I know he means a lot in Boston. I know he means a lot in Chicago. But I, I just feel like that this city, the way that they latch on to certain characters, I feel like we're trending that way with Kyle Schwarber. Well, I think so. And I think what what can what can cement him as the, a Philly guy more than those other cities. Yeah, he came up in Chicago. And yeah, he had that great playoff for them when they won the World Series. But he didn't play that whole season, right? He just came in there at the end and was, you know, stud in, in, the, in the end. Um, he comes here. And he's this team's P. Rose. 
in All a right. lot of ways in yeah. the sense that he knows <laughs> how to sure, win. Make sure you clarify that. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> He's just seems Pete Rose on the field in the sense that he comes in, shows the team how to win, shows yeah. the t- shows individual players what makes them special, why those players are important to the team. Like I like I look at the reaction when Harper gets back to the dugout after the home run. And just watch when Schwarber gets to him. There's no like, you know, fist pump thing. There's no like, you know, pre choreographed, you know, celebratory thing. It's he gets into his face, he's pointing at him and he's talking to him almost as if this was a discussion that they had, something that they had talked about. And he's really taken that role, that leadership role, that follow me to the the promised land kind of thing. And I think if it works, then he becomes that kind of legend here. And more yeah. so than more so than he was in Chicago, more so than he was for his brief stint in Boston. Yeah, and I mean, like, listen, I say he means a lot in Boston. But it's actually a credit to him. I mean, I think he played, what, 40, 50 games? I'd have to look it up. But probably played 40 or 50 games in Boston. But, like, just the brief time that he was there, yeah. a couple of big moments. I mean, people love the guy. Like, yeah. people love the guy. Yeah. Uh, in Chicago, obviously, he's a hero. Just a dude like when you, he's another guy that like, just observe, like forget like the the locker, like forget the the post game stuff, the quotes. Like he's kind of like seems almost mild mannered. Like he doesn't really you know, project all that much. Watch him. Watch how much fun he has. Like if, if you see all the videos, like we we shared a bunch on Twitter. John Clark, you know, a lot of people tweeting out videos in the the locker room celebration last night. Like. He's in the middle of that whole thing. He's dancing around. He's riding a bull after after they leave. He's he's funny too. Like he doesn't really give you that. He doesn't give you that like as a, to the media. But like he's like they love love that guy. Is is he the Phillies' Jason Kelsey? Yeah, like that's that's what I'm like. That's kind of my my starting point. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. that's he might be that guy like if they have a parade like he might deliver that moment (laughs) you know he might take it to that level you know so i i really do see i see some similarities there you know i i think jason kelsey basically owns the city you know you have to be special to do that but right there's like the makings of it we're like we're in year one of a lengthy contract they're in the world series he hits the ball a mile there's just there's makings of it um so before we get out of here, I mean, let's obviously talk about the World Series. You know, we, I think, have to hold ourselves accountable. You know, we talked about losing to the Braves. We both liked the Phillies. You had them in seven. I had them in six. They do it in five against the Padres. I'm not going to sit here and say that the Phillies should win the World Series. I, I'm not. And in fact, like, if I had to financially invest in the outcome of it, I would take Houston. I would. The one thing you cannot deny, though, at this point, there's two things you can't deny. You can't talk yourself into Houston having a weakness. Like you just can't, they can pitch for days. They're seven deep in their rotation. They can roll those extra guys in as bullpen pieces to an already stellar bullpen. They hit They're clutch. They have experience. They have big name players. But even though they're undefeated in the postseason, and even though I thought they were the best team in baseball all along, you do have to concede that the Phillies are playing with this, and I'm not going to call it house money. It's not house money. Like, you're at the World Series. Fucking go win it. 
but you know that this team is playing with some type of magic right now with that belief in one another, that belief that we can do this. Like we're not going to lose. And when you watch Bryce Harper do what he did, elite level talent playing elite baseball in the biggest moments, there is no doubt in my mind that the Phillies believe that, yo, we can go down to Houston. We can split the first two and we can come back here in Philly and the way that we've played at home in front of these fans this this world or this postseason, there's no doubt in our minds that we can't get two out of three and send this thing back to Houston and let's just see what happens. I believe that they they truly in their hearts think that they can do this. And fuck it, maybe they can. So you're 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 the our betting guy, right? Have you looked Sometimes. at the odds for the World Series? Uh, yes, I have. Okay, so uh, so right off the bat, obviously Houston's a big favorite. Minus, uh, I'm, I'm looking at FanDuel minus one eighty. Phillies are plus one fifty. Okay, yeah, uh, DraftKings has them one eighty five, one sixty. Yeah. Okay, all right. So it's it's that's big. That's a big number for a World Series. But here's where it gets interesting to me, Bob. If you're if you want to bet the World Series correct outcome. Number of games, who wins the series. Houston, the, the, the favorite is Houston in seven or six. Both are plus 350. That's correct. Okay. The next best odds uh, are Houston at, in five, plus mm-hmm. 400. Okay, fine. But then it gets to the Phillies. Plus 500 Phillies in six, plus 550 Phillies in seven. And I think that they're in six is better than in seven because that would that would be one of your two big guys pitching that game, right? Game six. Uh, if it goes to game seven, maybe the matchup isn't as strong. So that's probably why the slight, slight odds favorite there. But that's not that far off. That's not that far off that there's a better chance of the Phillies winning in six or seven than getting swept by a team who has not lost a playoff game yet. I I would think if it's, if it's that lopsided of a series that the Phillies have a better chance than most people think. And I agree with you. I think they can get it back to Houston. I can't pick them. Right. I can't because there's just too big of a disparity in talent. I think this is a classic situation of a superior team against a less superior team, but the less superior team is riding emotion. And sometimes that ha- that comes through. And so therefore you can't dismiss it. But if Houston's had a cakewalk so far and they kind of have, they're not going to have a cakewalk in the world series. The Phillies are are going to take them back to Houston. I think think this thing can go seven, Bob. I really, really do. I really think that the Phillies have enough in them to get it to seven games. Are you at all uh, concerned, uh, or to what degree is it a factor, that the Phillies will have four days off prior to the, the, you know, tipping of this, or the tip-off of this series? It would have been a it would have been a factor to me if Houston kept playing. The fact that Houston also has that same time off 
I think it I think that levels the playing field a little bit. That Houston team is tough. I uh you've got an opportunity to watch game four uh last night when I when I got home from the stadium and you know, they get down three nothing early and you're like, hey, if you're the Yankees, like you still have some talent here. You know, you you send it to, to game five, maybe you can get it back down to Houston and you just never know, right? And they get up 3-0 and it's just boom, tie game, 3-3. I think it was Bregman. And no, well, Pena hits the home run. Pena hits the home run, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, and then it's not just 3-3, then they put two more guys on. Like they just yeah. keep coming and coming and coming. And you get to the seventh inning, Yankees are holding 5-4. They actually, you know, regain the lead after uh, Houston ties it up and all. And and then it's two in the seventh for the Astros, and it's it's over in four. And you're just yeah. like, this team is unbelievable. And yeah. so that's when you start to just say, all right, take the emotion out of it. Take what you just saw all out of it and just look at the two teams. And you said, like, like you, you sized it up. How do you – you just can't. You can't give them the nod here. Yeah, you can't. I, I, you know, but I, I'll take I'll take Astros and seven will be my pick. I'll, I'll ask you this though: this is a curious decision the Phillies. I think the Phillies have. Are they going Wheeler game one, or are they going to go Nola game one? So, I was I talked to you about this this weekend. You love to watch, and I know it's a big part of it. I mean, I told you at the NLCS the way that the, the both teams were going to utilize their pitching was was probably going to be right. a determining factor. And the Padres' passiveness yesterday, I think, killed them. I don't know. Like, my thought is, like, and I present your case, but my thought is, like, let's not overthink this. Zach Wheeler is one of the three best pitchers in baseball right now. Put him on the mound in game one and go out and try to get it. Like, use Aaron Nola in a position of drop the hammer in game two. Like, but you got to go get one of these first two. So for me, I want my best pitcher on the mound as soon as possible. That's the way I look at it. The only question, and, and here's here's why I would I would consider going the other way. So Noel is going to get significant rest here, which is good. He's always right. good with longer rest, right? Um, Wheeler, last two games on regular starts on a regular rest, his, his fastball his fastball numbers. Start to dip after around 80 pitches, right? A little bit. That's why they're pulling him out in the sixth inning. If you're a little worried about the bullpen against Houston, and I'm a little worried about the bullpen against Houston, I want to get those two guys, when they're pitching, to pitch as many innings as possible. Does it behoove you to give Wheeler that extra day to see if he can go a little bit longer and knowing that when he's had the extra day of rest, his ERA is a full run lower. Well, and this also gets you, this also gets you wheel, Wheeler both times in Houston, where you like Nola better at home. I like Nola better at home, and I give him one and one. But if you do that, yeah, so it would be what game one and five, right? Noel would be one and five. Wheeler would be two and six. Yeah. The only the, the, now the only reason I sit there and say I would go Wheeler first is if it comes to a game seven and you need and it's all hands on deck for that game. You bring him back and you could bring your game five starter back at the back end, and I'd rather have Wheeler throwing ninety nine than than Noel. You know, 
painting corners, right? I mean, just in that. In that, that makes spot. Uh, it's a, it's certainly a, a valid argument, maybe maybe one that they consider. Uh, I I I still presume they will go with Wheeler, but for the reasons that you've just talked through, I, I it would not be. First of all, it wouldn't be crazy if they did it, like I wouldn't be blown right. away if they did it. And, and, you know, to be honest with you, from a logical standpoint, it makes some sense. Yeah. Um, we, we shall see. I, I do wonder to any degree, like Houston really didn't have anything to play for in that final series against the Phillies uh, when they clinched, but they were playing their guys, you know, mm-hmm. like that wasn't a, Hey, stand down, go ahead. Phil's type thing. That game that, that Aaron Noel throw against him or the th- that he threw against them. Does that, does that help him? Does that give him anything? I, I, yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, it obviously gives him a, has to give him a lot of confidence. Right. Um, but I think that there's something to that. I, and I also think that there's something to, to the matchups too. Like, you're going to get Verlander game one. I just I just would rather Nola as a, you know, as a pitcher more than a thrower going against Verlander and let – because I think Valdez is a, is a tougher matchup on this lineup than Verlander is because Valdez is going to be tough on Schwarber and, and, and he's going to be tough on uh, Harper and he's going to be tough on Stott. Um, so like, I, I just, I, I don't know. I just like the, I like the notion of Nola pitching against Verlander and Wheeler pitching against Valdez. I think it's, I think you, you match up styles a little bit better there too. Not that that really means anything other than those pitchers pitch similarly. So therefore you hope for similar, keep the game close, you know, keep the game within, within, within the same kind of game. Um, it, it gets hairy after that. I mean, I mean, you know, Javier's a hell of a pitcher. McCullers, you saw last night, his breaking stuff is 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 really good. Um, I don't know. I don't know what that Phillies lineup is going to be like against all that junk in Game Four. Um, but they didn't put a lefty in the bullpen for that series against the Yankees. Now, Yankees don't have any good lefties, and Phillies do. So they might change it up. Might they add a, a lefty to the to the bullpen for the Philly series? Maybe, but they didn't. They they went with all righties in the pen. Um, it didn't hurt them. So, yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll dive into the uh, matchup here a little later in the week um, and and kind of break it down. But I think that that's probably a good place to hit pause for now. Yeah. Uh, so. I uh, would recommend I'll leave everybody with some advice here before we, we, we get out of here. Enjoy it. You yeah. know, like there's going to be plenty of uh, anxiety over the weekend, uh, probably right around Thursday night. You'll start to feel the stomach uh, churn with a little anticipation. The next couple of days, like watch the home run, go back and listen to Scott Fransky's call, you know, talk to all your friends and your family members about where you were, what you did, how you felt. And, uh, Really, really soak it in. I mean, it just is a thing that you think sometimes you, you fool yourself into thinking it's it, it could always be like this. I mean, I remember telling myself back in 2012 after they, they lost in the divisional round. I never thought that was it. I just thought they were the, the new Red Sox and they just spent enough money and 
take all that Comcast money from the TV deal and just always figure it out. And then you blink and you go from being a 24 year old asshole drinking with your friends at the bar to, you know, covering a game and coming home and making sure that your baby's uh, asleep and (laughs) your your whole life changes. So, you know, take it all in while you can. Right. Yeah. I, I, and by the way, you didn't ask me about one last thing. I do have one last thing, but it's not, it's not a question. It's not, it's not a, real discussion point well it is a question i'm gonna i'm gonna phrase it as a question but it's not really a discussion point now keep in mind this is basing on my uh my age so i'm 48 okay so in my lifetime where do the phillies rank in the national league in penance one so in 48 years yes so well they won so uh let's just do some quick math here 80 83 93, 08, 09, 22. The 2022 Phillies won the National League pennant, by the way. Just yeah. want to <laughs> point that out again. So what are we looking at? Is that six? That's six. So in 48 years, you win it six times. That's once every eight years, which it feels like it's so much more, like longer than that. Um, I, know. <laughs> I will say that they're behind the, the, the Cardinals – they got to be like third, fourth. It's a third. Third. Third most. Dodgers and the Cardinals. Dodgers have eight. Cardinals have seven. Phillies have six. How about that? They're the third, third most prolific National League team when it comes to winning the pennant. They're the gold standard, some would say. I, 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 could, I was stunned. Somebody sent that to me as a DM. And I was like, I never, literally, I mean, I would have said six. Eh, it's probably like fifth or six. I, I really would have, like, I would have dismissed quickly the other numbers, right? I would have just wouldn't yeah. even thought about it. But damn, I can't believe it. That's the third third most in the National League. Well, we keep talking about this drought and how long it's been. And I actually was thinking about it the other day. I'm like, you know how you can always like take a, a sample size and make it work for an argument? Yeah. You know? So I'm like, well, if you go back to 07 and you fast forward to 22, you're talking about basically a, a 15 year runway, right? Yeah. And it's like, how many times have the Phillies made the playoffs in that 15 year runway? And you're like, all right, well, 07, 08, 09, 10, 11. So boom, right off the bat, you got what five uh, there. Yeah. And then they, they make it again in, in 20 in 22. So you go six, you're like six out of 15 years is actually like pretty good. That's almost it's close to half, half the span, but yeah. you know, obviously that's totally front loaded. So. Sure, sure. But yeah, but this is a little bit longer. I'm a, I'm a little bit longer yeah. in the tooth, right? Yeah. So yeah. 48 years, six times to go to the World Series, third most in the National League. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, yeah. everybody. Well, for Anthony, Sir Anthony Sanfilippo, if you're <laughs> watching this on YouTube, you may see that name tag there. I should yeah. have addressed that earlier. It's all good. I'm uh, Bob Wankel. Thank you for listening to Crossed Up, and we will talk to everybody soon.